0818-715-815. Hello, good afternoon, and you're very welcome to Liveline. OxyContin uh, uh, features in this TV series, Dope Sick. It's... Uh, an incredible scandal in the United States. It was being Oxycontin as a painkiller. Uh, it's highly addictive, though. This was never, this was denied by the uh, Purdue company when they first marketed it back at the end of the last century in the 1990s. But it's ruined many communities in the United States because of its addictive quality, because of its quick hit. And uh, we asked yesterday, were people in Ireland uh, prescribed Oxycontin and what was the effect it had on them? And uh, we've been hearing from people ever since. And 90% of them so far are saying they did not uh, like the effect it had on them and they did their did their best so far as they could as quickly as possible to get off this addictive uh, opioid, which is as cheap as chips. Frank, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. Did you watch this uh, TV series, Dope Sick, about OxyContin? I did, yes. And what was your reaction to it? Well, first of all, it upset me greatly, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, I found it very hard to watch because it brought me back to what I call my bad years. And that was when I was first put on that by a hospital in Dublin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was attending pain management. Okay. I was sent to them by my GP. And after a while with the pain management, they were just, there seemed to be no management as such other than prescribing drugs. Oxycontin. Oxycontin. And then, uh, not, not immediately. But then, after a short while, a group of us attending the clinic, I would say probably about 10, we were advised by the consultant at the time to go to this dentist who was working with him. And that's what really resonated with me at, the, uh, at watching the, the, the Dope Sick series, that they used a, a dentist in that series as well. And what? the dentist was the one that he told us that he would guide us on to how we should take this drug. Now, he put us on a small amount to start off, but he gave us no indication, never mentioned anything about addiction, none whatsoever. And it, it was increased then, and after a number of years, I reckon I was on it probably five or six years. Wow. And I was totally, I didn't realise it, but it had taken over my brain. It had warped me. I was a very sick man with pain at mm-hmm. the time. I was following an accident, a car accident that I ended up this way. And I got extremely violent with my family. And only for I have the best family you could ever have around you. Mm-hmm. And it hurts me even talking about it now. Um, only for them, I would be dead and gone a long time ago, 20 years ago. Because it took great courage. I didn't know I was hooked on this stuff. I didn't know it was addictive. I just kept taking it. Uh-huh. And it was costing me a lot of money that I didn't have because I, after the accident, I wasn't able to walk. Okay. So I was able to walk on welfare and I was paying this enormous amount of money, 140 per month I was paying for these drugs. Uh-huh. And eventually, after my wife, after I had attempted suicide, on a number of occasions, but this particular night when I'd done it, she called the ambulance again, yeah. and I was taken to a hospital. And they just wanted to release me back to her after a while. But I'm so glad I had a very strong woman beside me. 
mm-hmm. that night. And my daughter, I have to say, who was with her, yeah. and they totally refused to take me home from mm-hmm. the hospital. Right. They asked to see the consultant, and they were told he wasn't available. Well, when will he be available, my wife told me. And they were told he'd be here. He's, he's sitting at clinic at 9 o'clock in the morning. I was kept there overnight because they refused blank to take me home yeah. because of the situation I was in and the state of mind I was in. And come the following morning, they come down to the hospital at nine o'clock mm-hmm. and were told that this consultant wasn't available to speak to her. So that went on for a day or so. And after my wife fighting my case for me because I was in no state to fight it, I didn't care where I was. I just wanted to die and it all to end. She eventually got me to agree with the hospital that if I signed myself and she went along with it into St. John of God's. Okay. That was what saved my life. Now, now Frank, the, the state you were in, which sounds absolutely horrific, do you put that down to the pain or to the Oxycontin? To the Oxycontin. But the, oxy, just, the, oxy, the argument as we heard yesterday from uh, a, a medic, the argument in favour of OxyContin is it does give rapid pain relief. It does initially. Yeah. And in no time, in a couple of weeks, you're used to that and then it's increased it again. Yeah. And it does play with your head. One of my daughters said to me, when I eventually got off it, and I got off it myself, nobody helped me. After coming out of St. John of God's, after being there for a number of months, I asked myself, and they put me in a small cell in John of God's and took my belts and my shoelaces and everything from me. I sat on the edge of the bed crying and asking myself, what have I done? What is yeah. wrong with me? And it was only then that I realised and I had to get off these drugs. And I went home after that and I remember night after night trying to stop taking them, reducing them down. Yeah. Breaking them in half. Yeah. I got as far as breaking them in quarters and the sweat, the cold turkey, as they would call it in the, the drug world. I was sweated. I shaked. I was tearing my arms with the itch and, and couldn't be, I couldn't sleep. And eventually I had to accept that I'd have to go a full night or more without it. So it took me maybe two two nights or three nights well, to incredible. get through it. And what you're, what you're describing there, scratching, sweats, uh, tormenting, that, that's that's a scene from Dope Sick. That yes, is a scene that 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 happens in Dope Sick as well. When when Michael Keaton tries to come off it, and he's and he's a medic. What pain relief are you on now, Frank? I only take the mildest I can. I try to get through on paracetamol. Okay. And when they when it gets bad, I just lie down in the bed. My wife understands that when I leave. I say I'm going to lie down. She leaves me be. I lie down. She'll keep an eye on me. All right. Yeah. But that's the way I get by. I just, I had an accident last year where I needed very serious surgery. Okay. And I refused when they wanted to take, put me on anti-contin. Oxycontin. For the pain of it. Oxycontin, sorry. And, and did, you, did you ever get to talk to your pain consultant who put you on the Oxycontin? No. No. Wow. I never seen him again after I went into John O'Dodd's. I didn't want to see him, Joe, to be okay. quite honest with you. Okay. Because okay. I, I felt he didn't help me in any way. Okay, say, say there, Frank, 0818715815. Audrey Farrelly. Audrey, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. How are you? Good, thanks. Now, you were the first caller who alerted us in February 
2018, four years ago now, that Versatis, which was a pain patch that you put yeah. on the location of the pain, doesn't go into your, doesn't go in through your, orally, as you say, through your mouth and through yeah. your system. You were the first to alert us that Versatis had been taken off the medical card and off the drugs payment scheme. Um, yeah. Now, have you watched Dope Sick? I, I wouldn't be able to, Joe. Why not? I think it would just bring back all the trauma that I've already gone through myself. And I don't think I could actually look at it again. And and are you, did you lose your first status? No. I did initially. Yeah, as everyone did. Yeah. But, um, as everybody did. But uh, I fought the fourth like a lot of other people and... Um, unlike poor Frank there, who hadn't uh, obviously got a, a very good pain uh, management consultant, I, I was lucky enough to have one and also a very good GP. Um, and so your consultant, the change in the Versatis was when, when there was the public reaction to it being removed, it was removed because of the cost of it. Um, oh, the, the, the reaction of the state then would say, oh, uh, well, well we'll, we'll set up an appeal system. The, but the appeal system was basically run by the people who made the decision in the first place. But that's neither here nor there. But, yeah. And GPs were contacting us, telling us the appeal system is just so... Uh, uh, laboursome and and uh, tiresome and convoluted. But anyway, your your consult. Took a long time, yeah, great. Well, well done, back. well done to your GP and your. Now, did you yeah. ever take oxycontin? Yes. And what effect did that have on you? Um. Well, I was in a car crash back in nineteen eighty six, and the go to drug then was Ponston. And Ponston, yeah. And um, I think Ponston is an opioid. So it's from the same family. And then I moved into the 2000s with Dyphene and Diclac. And um, I started on Zydol in about 2007 for pain management. And I literally collapsed on that mm-hmm. one. Um, I think I slept for 17 hours after I had collapsed on the Zydol. Um, okay. Yeah. Now, that's actually uh, part of the Tramadol family. Okay. And that is an opioid. So I start realising then that this was probably the issue for me, that morphine wasn't going to be on my list of medications, my go-to medication. But I had a hysterectomy in 2009 and I had a morphine pump and I was as high as a kite in the hospital. Didn't mind that so much because mm. I was in the care of the hospital. You were in a hospital, exactly. Yeah, so I felt it was controlled. But by the time I got to 2013, when my chronic pain kicked in, um, I had a failed spinal surgery syndrome after I'd had a protrusion. And I was put on OxyContin, OxyNorm. Mm. Uh, I started off with a morphine pump, and then I went to OxyContin. And where, where, you told, uh, where you told that OxyContin and OxyNorm were addictive? No, I was so sick, Joe. I don't think I'd have even comprehended it. But I don't ever remember being told okay, stay, that's st- what I was being st- put on, you know. St- stay there, Audrey. 51551 is our text number. Eddie Steering. Eddie, good afternoon. How are you, Joe? Good. When were you put on OxyContin? Oh, it was put on in 2020 after bypass, a triple bypass. But I had previous... Uh, I had two heart attacks, like... Uh, before all this, and uh, I had two stents put in them one time, and then another stent put in another time because okay. 
my, uh, my arteries were, were, were 94% closed. But I always had uh, trouble with my bowels, but not, not so much. Okay. So I got a colonoscopy and uh, they, they just diagnosed that I had uh, an inflamed bowel. Okay. So they put me on uh, a sort of relaxatives that relieved that, which it, which it is not like that. So after that, then I I I used to get chest and stomach pains, and so I the uh, I was in the hospital a few times, and they diagnosed me in in 2019 with uh, chronic. So uh, it's chronic uh, mm-hmm. constipation. Okay, and where, uh, where, where are you put on OxyContin? Yeah, yeah. So that's and, where I want to get to that. Okay. Did it relieve the pain? That's the job. That is the job. That's its job, to oh, relieve oh, the immediate pain. Yeah, yeah. relieve the pain. I'm not getting this. Like, I had a chronic bowel problem. Now I have a thing called the reverterolitis, okay. which is, which can cannot be cured and my life is on hold now at the moment because of, because of what they doing. They should have never put me on uh, Bally or sorry, OxyContin or OxyNorm, you know? Yeah. Have you seen Dope Sick, this drama? No, actually, I've never Wait. seen it. I never okay. knew what okay. the bill Okay, say, say there, Eddie. Dr. Derek Crawley is a consultant spine surgeon in the matter, private in Dublin, and he's contacted us. Um, Derek, good afternoon. Hi, Joe. How are you doing? Um, I've been listening with interest uh, over yeah. the lunchtime about these issues, Joe, and I just want to make a couple of comments, if that's OK. Of course, yeah. The first thing is, Joe, there are massive frustrations here expressed by the patient as expected and as is uh, understandable because, Joe, the pressure on our health systems in mm-hmm. Ireland currently is absolutely massive. There's yeah. massive fr- uh, frustrations with that, both the public system and the private system. Uh, Joe, and and with that lack of access, uh, the patients are frustrated because they don't have the ability to access the appropriate diagnostics mm-hmm. and and furthermore understand that diagnosis. Um, and certainly, like I deal with back pain, chronic back pain okay. all the time, wow. and, and and I see people who are who become addicted to these medications because of the of, of how long. They're, yeah. they're, they're looking for answers. And a GP who, who is often very much placed in a position whereby they've tried everything, they've tried to get other medications, they've tried to access the diagnostics and the specialist treatment. And, and there's, there's other aspects to this that we should be aware of as well. First, second of all, the patient education aspect of this huge. We've loads of very good support systems in Ireland now and multidisciplinary approach whereby we get physiotherapists mm. or sports therapists or occupational therapists involved. We also cannot forget, Joe, the non-medical measures. And I don't necessarily mean tablets, but also the fact that there are non-medical things that a person can use for chronic pain, you know, in terms of TENS machines or, you know, hot water bottles or, or mm. acupuncture or any of these things. They're not particularly proven to be of significant benefit on their own. But using that collective approach, they are also a treatment that should be considered you know, and, and and we have to remember as well that there's so many online resources. Some yes. of them obviously are not vetted and are not as, qualified. As, and as we heard yesterday, Derek, um, Dr. Crowley, p- people were uh, sourcing OxyContin online from India, of all places. 
Uh, Joe, that, that doesn't surprise me. People are trying to find a solution. Um, and, and, and I can understand why, and I, and I, can, I see why they're so frustrated with this. But it, it's important that society recognises that when a person has serious chronic back pain, for example, mm. and supposing you or I have back pain, that doesn't necessarily mean that my back pain is the same as your back pain or the next person's back pain. But unfortunately, society sometimes can be cruel on these people. Society mm-hmm. can leave them behind. Our healthcare systems, we know that, for example, the chronic pain patients, the chronic back pain patients, neck pain patients, these are the longest waiting lists in our system. Oh, are they? Okay. Um, and, 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 and the access to diagnostics and services are, okay. are, are massively under pressure to keep up with that. And when, so, when so we, what we're hearing, with, and there does seem to be a consistency, but though again, I take the point, it's, 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 a, it's a radio programme, it's not a scientific survey, but there is a consistency in the calls and they're saying, we were not warned. One, they were on it for, a lot of people were on, like Frank there, four or five years, yes, he was someone who was on it for 12 years, but we were not told about the highly addictive nature of OxyContin. So, Joe, I, I can understand that, OK? Um, I, I see patients who come into me all the time and they're saying, what else can I do? Now, I'm, I'm a surgeon, uh, so I suppose yeah. I'm, I'm looking for the diagnosis primarily and, to, and, and a surgical solution with that. But, Joe, where a person is in serious pain and they've taken anti-inflammatories, they've taken mm-hmm. paracetamols and they've taken the salpidols and they've done the, the massages and they've done the acupuncture and they've done anything and everything, they want to know what is the next thing they can take. So it's, it's a little bit dismissive to say, I was never told. And in some cases, mm. I accept that people aren't told, but they're not hearing it, Joe, because they would do anything to try and help that pain. So, so you're, you're saying every, every doctor or every consultant is... Absolutely uh, not. No, I'm not saying that. I'm, okay. saying, I'm saying that uh, that the position that that's Doctors in, as I outlined, they're under massive pressure given the, the systems at the minute mm-hmm. and, the frust- and the lack of access. But that patient is also in need of another therapy. No therapy comes without side effects. No therapy comes mm. without its limitations. So we have to have a balanced view here. These patients are desperate for a solution okay. for their pain. And yes, there are side effects, but it's very difficult to try and turn and say, well, you never warn me of this and warn me of that. There are side effects of these medications. I, I and along, that, uh, uh, Dr. Crowley, how long would you prescribe OxyContin for? So, Joe, I, uh, as a surgeon, I will be looking to operate on a person, get them home, get them out of hospital, and say, you're going to need five days of heavy medication, you're okay. going to need 10 or 20 days of lighter stuff, and then you're going to come off your medication. That's my, that's my plan, so and that, be, that's be ox- what be for five days? Well, uh, well, I would say an OxyContin is a longer action and OxyNorm is the more short-term equivalent of yeah. that. But that's because I'm prescribing it for a short period of time because my role is to try and treat yeah, them for their pain predominantly. Yeah. You know, so, so, but I'm, I'm not speaking about me. I'm speaking about the wider approach to we need to mm-hmm. work on our diagnostics, we need to work on our patient education, we need access to services, and we need uh, timely treatment for those patients who are in pain. And you, you, you made the point earlier. You, did, did you say that the, the waiting list for, for diagnosis for people with chronic pain is one of the longest waiting lists in the health service? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You see, it's, 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 and, and, and you can see how this manifests, you know, because um, obviously back pain 
is is very common and that's a big proportion of the chronic yeah, pain patients yeah. overall. Um, and why are, are we increasing back pain? Well, we're sitting more of the time. Right now I'm sitting down, Joe, you're probably mm. sitting down. Yeah. Whereas, you know, 50 years ago, far more of okay. us spent far more time standing and walking and engaging in manual activities, okay? So you've got all of that going on. Um, you have a huge, I see an awful lot more patients now who are working from home all the time and they're getting this wave of back pain because they're not walking to work or to the photocopier mm. or to whatever it is. You've got all that as well. Um, and then I suppose you have, you know, you have the life of convenience. We don't have to do as much manual stuff as we did in times yeah, past. Yeah. And the back suffers from that in terms of this generation, joint degeneration, etc. So, okay. And have, have you seen, <laughs> which is where this conversation began, have you seen the CV series, Dope Stick, or are you aware of the... The, the, the scandal in the United States that it was being overprescribed, that the pharmaceutical company told barefaced lies uh, on the box and to the FDA, which uh, for some reason passed it, to say it wasn't addictive. Are you aware of that controversy in the States about Oxycontin? So, so I, I, as a clinician, Joe, and as someone who has responsibility for writing a prescription, I'm very much aware of that scandal and of, of why that uh, why, why that uh, happened the way it did because I see it in front of me, I see it with my own eyes I have people pleading for a medication and I think that uh, it, it, you know it, it's all too easy for them to start and become addicted to that medication and many times I've warned patients against that okay. um, I haven't seen the TV series but I know the background to it and I know I, I, I have first hand experience of how it can happen but in terms of the drug companies I guess I'm not going to comment on that because it's, it's commercially censored, etc. But they're making a medication that is in high demand, both legally and also oh. online or illegally, as you alluded to. So I can understand how this can happen. Absolutely. OK, OK, OK. Uh, Audrey, uh, Dr. Crawley, thanks indeed. And, and I, I, I know from talking to people, there's no... Uh, worse long-term pain than back pain. So thank you for for all your great work and everyone in the matter, private and public. Audrey Farrelly. Audrey, good afternoon again. Um, when you went on OxyContin, what were the effects that it had on you? Um, I just didn't. I just didn't know myself. I I literally wasn't me. I the light was on, but there was nobody home. And I think just referring back to something that Doctor Crawley said yeah. there, I think it's it's slightly unfair you have to realize that if you have been through a trauma of a lot of pain because something has happened to you which happened to me in 2013 where I had a disc protrusion and my nerves were being severed I think it's unfair to say that if you've gone from the 21st of December to to the 26th of December in that height of pain and then you undergo a general anesthetic and you come out of that anesthetic in a, in, a, in a completely traumatized world for what you've gone through mm-hmm. and they immediately put you on anything that will take the pain away yeah, okay. you don't care of what course. they give you because you're so desperate yeah. and he's right I was sent home on that in 2013 on yeah. and I was sent home and I was told to take that for whatever amount of weeks like I was very very bad but I lost two years of my life, Joe, because I was also put on Lyrica. And when I started on Lyrica, that was 75 mg's a day. By the time I was finished on Lyrica, when I had my spinal cord stimulator implanted in, in May of 2015, mm. I was up to 450 mg's of Lyrica yes, a day. Yes. Yeah. I did not know my own name. I lost two years of my life, walking, not walking, literally talking like a zombie. 
Okay. I, I was and, on Plexia. I was on Plexia IOR, SOR. I've had ketamine infusions. I've had a fentanyl patch that I collapsed under. They couldn't even find the patch on my arm because it's like a nicotine patch. Yeah. It's, people don't realize that, you know, you have morphine, you have OxyContin, you have OxyNorm, you have Plexia, you have Cymbalta, you have Celebrex, you have ketamine, you have fentanyl. I've been on everything. I've done full circle. You sound like you're, you sound like a pharmacologist. Audrey. I feel like a pharmacologist at times. I have researched and researched, and I will. I'm. I. I really want to reiterate this. I couldn't. I. I listened to that man Frank in the beginning. I yeah. think my line might have been a bit bad, yeah. but I'd have lumped my throat listening to him because I realise how lucky I am that yeah. I have such a wonderful pain management consultant and an yeah. absolute wonderful GP who at, at any time of any day would Great. pick up the phone Great. if she sees my number. Great. And yesterday I actually rang her and I said, listen, I've come full circle. There's nothing else. I'm now on LDN, Joe, which is for okay. MS patients. And I'm going to trial this for two months. Okay. And I have two more options. Methadone is my next and an opioid implanted uh, boost pump, uh, booster pump, an actual okay. pump, not a booster pump. A pump goes into your system and, did, and it did, gently did, puts did, an opioid through your system. And did Farsatis eventually outlive its usefulness? Oh, God, no. No, no, no. If I could buy a lidocaine bodysuit, I would. And why, uh, why aren't you using Farsatis now? Oh, I am. Oh, you are? Okay. Oh, oh God, okay. I am. And I okay. am along with every okay. other okay. medication okay. I'm also on. Like, I'm on okay. Carol at the moment, which do you is think a non-steroid. It, well, insofar as you know, do you think Farsatis is addictive, which is what was said at the time? <laughs> no, that'd be like saying, like, if you put a plaster on your finger because it, it was bleeding. But there's absolutely no evidence for addiction. Okay. Nothing. It is literally, I had, when that call was made yesterday, I was sitting looking out at the coast with a cup of coffee in my hand. Yes. I was as white as a ghost. I had got, like there's nights I get three, four hours sleep. I had a lidocaine patch, which I had cut into three and I had it across my forehead for my, because now, unfortunately, yeah. my pain has become globalized because I have it since, I have it eight years now. I don't just have it in the lower half. It's also gone into my, my neck, my head, my shoulders. I had a lidocaine patch on my head yesterday okay. when that call was made. And I, when I took that off after... A lidocaine is, is for satis, isn't it? Just, yeah, just oh yeah, clear, sorry, the for satis. It's yeah. just... Do you know what it does? It numifies. It's yeah, like a, spot, when you go to the dentist. I think actually the dental um, surgeons use lidocaine yeah, to yeah. inject into your gum. So, I mean, okay. I've never heard of anybody being addicted no, to lidocaine going to a dentist. Neither, neither but, have I. But, you, but the thing about Versatis, as was pointed out, um, and not everyone was told um, you're not getting, well, the medical card holders were told they weren't getting uh, for satis on, on medical card or on the DPS but yeah. not everyone was told as an alternative take OxyContin because it's much cheaper but a number of people who contacted us were we're that, told that, that, that oh that absolutely varies. and I wasn't okay. going down that pathway okay Audrey I, I wish you as best as things can go in the next uh, next you. while okay I really appreciate You're your contact for taking the call. and, and uh, I remind people that it was four years ago February the 1st 2018 we got the first call from Audrey Farley that a that were um, communicated to people, revealed to people, including myself and I think a lot of politicians and an awful lot of people that first saw this, this pain patch, this lidocaine patch, which Audrey spoke about and people found very effective had been removed. And not for people who had money, but for people who didn't have money, the medical card and the DPS.